Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Customer Experience Radio. Brought to you by Heineken Company, real estate advisors specialized in corporate relocation. Now, here's your host, Jill Heineck. Good afternoon and welcome to this very special edition of Customer Experience Radio. I'm your host, Jill Heineck, and I'm a business owner, real estate advisor, and customer experience enthusiast. You know, I run my business um, mainly on deep relationships and traveling around and really getting to know people and where they're from and the areas in which they're coming from so that I can share, you know, what Atlanta is about if they're relocating to the area. And it's a great way to really get a feel for other markets and get to know other people. And so one of the things that I really love about our next guest is that part of her part of her work is traveling and and that that has become a great big hobby for her as well. And so I'm really excited to welcome Leticia Tavares and she is the owner of the blog Hospitality Vitae. Am I saying that right, Leticia? Yes, perfect. <laughs> um, and she, you know, her... Um, She's a hotelier and she's also a Harvard MBA grad and she's originally from Brazil. And since 2016, she's been working in the travel and hospitality industry. And she's currently the director of operational excellence at a large hotel in Atlanta. So I'm really excited to welcome you today, Leticia. I know we've had some uh, scheduling challenges. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, as you said, I've been in the hospitality industry since 2016, but I've been always passionate about the industry and I've been always passionate about traveling. You know, first of all, I've been to more than 40 countries, so hoping to share more amazing. with you. <laughs> that is amazing. And has that been a lot of your own on your own volition or has that been also part of work? So I have traveled a bit for work. So since 2016, when I joined the company that, that I work for, I had to travel a bit because of work, but mainly in the US. So I've mm-hmm. worked, although I was always based in Atlanta, I have worked in Nashville, I worked in DC, I worked in Florida for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, personally, I just love to travel. So I, so my first trip abroad, I was, I think I was 10 years old. I went, I actually came to the US. So I went to Disney with my family back in 96. And then after that, I I guess I didn't stop traveling. (laughs) You got the bug. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So, so do you think that uh, your travel experiences leading up to, let's say, the 2016 timeframe got you interested in, you know, giving that? same kind of guest experience in your hospitality career? So I think that one of the things that drove me to hospitality was the fact that it's such a, I feel it's like it's a career that you just deal with people from so many different cultures. You know, you work with people with so many different backgrounds and I've always been interested about that diversity, which I think it's really positive for the industry you know, so when I came to the U.S. from Brazil back in 2014, I knew that I wanted to be in a company that was multicultural, you know, that value diversity. And I just found myself in hospitality. You know, I think it's 
it's wonderful that we get to, you know, work with people with so many different points of view and, you know, and just, we, we learn from their different backgrounds and from their, their experiences too. And I, I think, you know, maybe when you travel, you don't realize, but you get to learn, you know, so much about the local culture. And one thing that I always try to do when I travel, you know, is get to meet uh, locals as well. You know, if either it's like, you know, I have a friend who lives in that country that introduced me to someone who is there at the moment. I just love being able to, you know, get the get to know a place through the eyes of the locals. So I think that, you know, if you think about I think everyone when we're thinking about our careers, if we connect the dots I think that part of, you know, looking back, you know, in my, you know, previous careers or like previous experiences, traveling was always something that was, you know, part of it that I could see, you know, now, you know, again, being part of my career. So I think that's always going to be, you know, no matter what I do next, I think that's always going to be important to me. That yes, that, and, and I relate to that so much because being in the relocation industry, so much of our you know network is outside of my market. So I'm traveling to these events to meet other relocation professionals, but I've always built a time, some time or a day or extra to see the city that we're in. So we go to Chicago, we've done LA, we've done Dallas, Houston, places that I wouldn't normally probably go, maybe a few of those I would go more often. Um, But it just gives you that flavor. And like you said, and I try to do, you know, try to find those um, couple of things that are local, locally based, not necessarily tourist based that you would do when you're in those cities. So I totally agree with that. And I think that that makes it so much more exciting, um, whether you build it in on the front end or the back end, but either way, um, makes work more exciting as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, It's always fun to be working, you know, in a new city, in a new place, I always try to get the time to to just do something, you know, interesting and, you know, get out of the hotel, get out of, you know, your comfort right. zone there and just go explore a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about your role in <clears throat> operational excellence, because I think that this does really connect well with the customer experience. Um, so talk to us a little about what your day to day looks like. Sure. So um, I so first when I joined uh, the company that I work for. Uh, I did a rotation. So for like one year and a half, I was doing different things in hotel operations. So I worked, I think after coming out of an MBA, I didn't see myself going into a corporate role. I wanted to learn from the ground up. And especially, you know, if you work in a hospitality company, it's important to understand, you know, how to manage a hotel because I I didn't want to be in, in, you know, in a corporate role without, knowing what really happens on the day-to-day, you know, without, you know, relating to the staff and knowing what a front office agent uh, agent does or a housekeeper does. And, you know, and there's just so much to learn with the staff. And that's why I decided to go into the operational side. And for one year and a half, I did a rotation. So I was in housekeeping, front office. I did marketing. I did a little bit of corporate. So I was a few months in an office we have in Miami, um, I did marketing. I did finance in Atlanta. Actually, I did guest relations. So I just got a, you know a few of so many different areas in operations. And then I thought that was perfect because when I found this position as director of operational excellence, it was kind of a position that I could bring all that I learned into you know this perfect position that I was almost like made for me. 
because you get to, you know, you get to be in operations, but you also get to, you know, be a little bit in the background and like do some analysis and, you know, look at data, look at customer research, you know, you read what the customers are saying, you are, you know, so I like that balance of being, you know, part in operations and part more like doing more like a strategic planning, you know, strategic, strategic right. thinking. Um, so that was perfect for me. And I think on the day to day, what I would say that I do, you know, and that was more, I guess, before COVID, because I, I guess mm-hmm. after COVID, my role changed a little bit. Um, right. But I do basically run process improvement projects within the hotel. Since my hotel is really big, it's almost 2,000 rooms. Um, we do have many process improvement projects that we want to work, you know, with. And that really starts by reading the customer, you know, customer research. So by reading what the customers are saying um, and identifying what's, you know, what's kind of wrong or what could be better, uh, that gives me ideas for projects that I could uh, work on in the hotel. And, you know, I never do anything isolated. My projects are all, you know, I always build a team with hosts. Right. So front, front of the line hosts that are leaving that on the day to day, they are part of my work team. And together we work to solve an issue, you know, and make the experience of the guest better. So that's my goal. You know, I want to make my associates' lives easier and their work easier, right? I want to make, I want to eliminate what we call wastes in, you right. know, their work and I want, you know, to make the guest experience better and seamless. So that's, you know, very important to me as, you know, I do any projects in, in operational excellence. Right. Which makes perfect sense because if your associate team is feeling empowered and under, you know, feeling like they, they're all working towards a goal, they're going to deliver excellent, an excellent experience to the guest. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yes. And that's sometimes ultimately you know, the goal. And, and I talk a lot about customer, but for me, there's always the internal customer that is the associate right. and the external right. customer that is, in my case, my guests. So right. I'm always, you know, when I, when I do the voice of the customer, basically when I read the surveys, mm-hmm. I'm reading external service from guests, right. but I'm also talking to the associates to understand, okay, so what's your point of view? Like what's wrong what could we do better? You know, tell me about mm-hmm. your job. Let's walk through the process. What do you do on a day to day? So both, you know, points of view are extremely important. And I think that mm-hmm. sometimes we talk so much about customer, 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 but our internal customer, which is our associate, um, they have the best ideas, right? So they're the ones that I want to be working very close with. Right. So do you, is there a project that a uh, recent project that you've completed that you can talk about or kind of give us an overview of, you know, possibly what the challenge was and then how you overcame that or what you implemented to overcome it? Sure. So um, actually I'll share with you too. I, I don't know if you're putting this video and you can share a link, but I have an interview that I talk a lot about this specific project. So if anyone has more questions, I'll be happy to share with you. Great. Um, but basically we had, uh, we saw that our scores in in-room dining, which is, you know, the food you order from your room, mm-hmm. uh, they were not great, right? They were kind of stable, not where we wanted to be. And we were wondering, like, what is, you know, what is going on? So, you know, my first step was, you know, let's look back and let's see what the guests are saying. 
And then, you know, uh, I mean, I'm lucky to have a lot of data. I know that many companies don't have that amount of data, but because we send service to guests regularly, I have, you know, a lot that I can read. And from that point of view, the voice of the customer, which is my guest, I had a lot of people saying either, you know, the food is cold or it's taking too long mm-hmm. to get my meal. So mm-hmm. I think I think basically timing and quality were like the two big things. And then mm-hmm. I then spoke to the associates to understand what's going on. And, you know, and it's the chef saying, well, the ticket's not right. And then mm-hmm. the runner, that is the person that actually brings the mm-hmm. food up, saying, well, I got the request to pick up the food. It was too late already. The food had been sitting there. So mm-hmm. you got it. So, that, yeah. so mm-hmm. that first, you know, discovery phase, I guess, in, in the six, six Sigma language, you know, We have some some tools that we use, but that first phase, it's all about understanding that voice of the customer and really understanding, okay, what's the process we're trying to analyze? Because you can't tackle it all. You know, you could say, okay, I want to understand, you know, how the food is made and, you know, Mm -hmm. how, what happened. So you, you could like try to understand as much as you want, but in fact, you need to be a little bit more, you know, let's focus. What do we really right. want? So you need to define when the process begins and when the process ends. And for us, right. the process begins when the order is placed on the phone and the process mm-hmm. ends when the order is delivered. That's what I was trying to see. You know, I didn't want to see anything before that and anything after that. And then I built a team of hosts and including chefs, the runners, the person that takes the call, you know, that is talking about the food because that's Mm -hmm. all, you know, these are all the people that live and breathe that process. And then from there, you know, there are different phases in the the project, but basically we're trying to understand what's the root cause, you know, what's really wrong. And you never do a Six Sigma project jumping into conclusions. I think that was the, my biggest learning when I went through green belt and black belt training is, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't jump into conclusions right away. You need to understand the root right. cause. And um, so that was, you know, eye opening for me. And, you know, that's kind of the mentality that I always try to bring because people tend to jump to conclusions too fast. Um, right. so that, I mean, that's just one of the examples. And then, of course, we did, you know, we put some new processes in place and new tools and we saw the like what going, you know, so it worked. You know, you have a control phase that is after the project. You keep, you know, checking to make sure it's working. And if not, of course, you're going to go back and you see what needs to be changed. But uh, at the time, our scores went back up and it really worked. So that's just so like what did you what did you change or what did you implement? An example of one thing that you might have changed in this in the process. So a big thing that we realized was that when um, the host was, you know, taking the the order via the telephone, they were not necessarily taking notes. You know, they were inputting in the system while the person could forget and could forget. Yeah, because I, you know, people, they're just, they're doing that every day. So in their mind, I get it. You know, it's like, oh, it's an automatic process. I'm not going to forget it. Right. But you do forget. So basically what Mm -hmm. we created was, you know, exactly what you need to tell the guest, you know, what the guest, and then spaces for you to write down what the guests say, because there is, you know, there is a standard. You, you, mm-hmm. you need to explain what the rooms, what room service is, because you, I don't know if mm-hmm. in a lot, a lot of hotels, it's not the traditional room service anymore. 
So you need to explain mm-hmm. that it's made to order, but it's packaged to go. And a lot of the comments <laughs> of the guests were, oh, I didn't know it came in a bag. I thought it would be the tray, you know? Right. So like all, so this basically this checklist reminded the host of what to say and also mm-hmm. spaces for them to write things down to then put in the system to, you know, to uh, send the order to the kitchen. Um, we also updated the whole micro. So micros is the system where, you know, you put the orders right. in because mm-hmm. when I observe, because part of the, you know, process improvement projects is observing the process. There are a lot of items that were not in micros. So the host had to write a lot of things manually, which doesn't make sense. You know, you need to make their jobs easier. No. And so, then that would make sense why the chef wouldn't see it or would yeah. miss it or... Yeah. But, but the thing is, you know, I think for our associates and in that in like any different industry, sometimes our associates are just tired of telling us because we're right. not doing anything, you know, and right. you just need to stop listening and, and make changes because they know it's wrong. They've been doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's the moment when you're running this project that you really stop listening and you're like, okay, what are quick wins that we can change right now? Like micros, we change it in a week, you know? Right. So, and I'm not saying that no one was paying attention. It's just that the hosts are just so used to do it that maybe it got to a point that no one was just voicing their opinion, you know? Right. So that's why it's important to talk and ask and check in with your associates to make sure that things are going well. So we change micros. Um, we, well, we have a phone that we dispatch the orders and we dispatch mm-hmm. to the runners, you know, when to pick it up, when to, uh, where to drop the order. So we just started tracking that data better to see, you know, how long it's actually taking for the runner to deliver the order. Mm-hmm. What are the issues? So we realized that it was important to have people actually stationed at the kitchen, not runners mm-hmm. running around the building, which is 47 floors. Mm-hmm. That can take right. a long time to come up and down to deliver food. <laughs> you think? <laughs> My food is definitely going to be cold. <laughs> oh, so there's like so many you know, small things, but it's just, um, you know, it's just, um, I, I love doing that kind of work because I'm I'm making the host's life easy. The host, I mean, the associates, sorry, we call them hosts. Mm-hmm. The associates' lives easier and that really makes me happy. You know, I love doing that. I love that you love improving the process because, you know, it, I know that a lot of us have high aspirations for that, but when you're actually seeing the change happen, it's so rewarding, isn't it? Yes. Yes. That's it's so true. rewarding. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about, um, so I, I mean, I happen to be from uh, the Boston area. I grew up on the Cape and went to school in Boston myself. So tell us um, during your time there, what were your favorite things to do in Boston? Oh my God. So I was in Boston for two years during my Mm -hmm. MBA and I actually was coming straight from Brazil and I got, I think it was the worst winter ever, like (laughs) so many years. So that was really interesting. (laughs) From that moment, all I realized I want to move down to the South, (laughs) Yeah, but no, (laughs) so I really enjoyed, um, do you remember this pastry shop called Mike's Pastry? Of course, in the yes. North End. Still yes. there. Yes. <laughs> so I like Mike's because they were in Cambridge. And to be fair, you know, school was so demanding that I didn't have a lot of time to go to Boston. 
Uh, I mean, it's really mm-hmm. close, but I was most right. of the time in Cambridge. In Cambridge. Um, mm-hmm. There is a Venezuelan restaurant called Orinoco. Mm. Very good. It's in Cambridge as well. Mm. I loved nice. it. I, I mean, I haven't been back in a, a few years, but, you know, I think they've had been there for a long time. So I'm hoping they're still there. Um, but so many things open in Cambridge. Like I remember I love this salad place called Sweet Green and they were not. In- oh, yeah in Boston when I was there, but I heard that they open now and you have like Pete's coffee in Cambridge. <laughs> right. Uh, I just love walking in that area. It's so, so cute. And, you know, I just love walking through campus because my campus was not where like Harvard is, you know, the business campus is a little, it's, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes away. Right. Um, so I just felt that like the business campus was a little bit isolated, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like to cross the bridge and just go uh, towards Cambridge. And it's such, and, and Harvard does have a gorgeous campus. Um, I've been on the lower, you know, the uh, undergrad campus um, yeah. and walked by the MBA campus, but um, that whole area is so pretty and it's so different now. I mean, it's been <laughs> a long time since I've gone to school there. So it's been a long time since I've actually kind of investigated Cambridge because um, every time we go back, we're going back for a short stint in the summer because we try to avoid the cold. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I like, I think it was in the summer that they have the, the Charles river. What is that big event that they have the the sailing team? Uh, It's the crew. It's the crew. Um, yeah. It's the, um, why am I losing my mind? Yeah, me too. But that was beautiful because it was nice weather and gorgeous. the, The river just looks so pretty with, you know, everybody there. And, you know, I think now, I guess things will be a little bit different, but I hope they keep those traditions. I do too, <laughs> even in the really, really cold weather. Yeah. Um, let's talk, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about any um, recent uh, experiences that you've had that kind of wowed you um, from other big brands, or it, it really wouldn't matter to me. Just, I just am interested to hear what, you what we've experienced um in your travels or you know just in your day-to-day any particular customer or guest experience that's kind of blown you away and that you've taken away and you might you know kind of try to implement that in your day-to-day work so i um i think that now traveling during you know coronavirus times um you know not a lot of people have traveled and i completely understand that Um, I decided to travel a little bit, you know, of course, taking all the precautions, uh, wearing a mask and, you know, doing whatever I can do to make, you know, uh, my life safer and also others people's life safer. But I try to travel because I want to experience that change. And I since I work in hospitality, I want to see what other companies are doing. Right. And it doesn't necessarily need to be in a hotel like I like going to a restaurant to see what they're doing or just, you know, visiting an attraction to see what are the things they have in place. And I actually went recently, maybe a month and a half ago to Disney. Um, They have a resort in Hilton Head. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very cute. And I have a friend who has, you know, the the timeshare, I think they call Mm -hmm. Disney Vacation Club. Yes. So she yes. had points with Disney Vacation Club and we found a very good deal in the middle of the week. And since I was working in you know, different hours that week, uh, we were able to go from like a Monday to a Wednesday. And mm. the hotel was 
pretty busy. Like I thought they were, you know, um, there were a lot of kids and families. Um, and I just thought they were doing such a great job. Um, so first of all, you get there, um, they, they have the check. It's a, the first house where you come with your car. It's where they have the check-in area and they tell you when you, um, when you first come in that they just want one person of the party to go up and check in, you know, to avoid crowds. So my friend went up, she did the check-in, they told us where to park. So we went to the, the, the rooms there a little bit different because they are like the Disney vacation club. So they're larger. Um, so, you know, in the room, right. we had signs explaining how the room was cleaning and disinfected we had all, they have those um, like big shampoos, conditioner amenities in the bathroom, like a lot of hotels now have instead of the small ones. All those amenities were like covered in plastic with signs saying it had been, you know, clean. Um, we had the, like the remote control was also covered in plastic with a sticker. So all these new things in place that I thought, you know, was really nice to see. And and then, of course, like all the other things they had in the closet, like extra blankets, extra, you know, uh, duvet covers, mm-hmm. they were all packaged and, and nicely done. And then in the public space, of course, lots of signs, the pool, they had, you know, the chairs, you know, with the six feet away or like, you know, it, it, I mean, adapted to whatever kind of family. If you had four people in your party, of course, they would put chairs, you know, close, close by and in the pool, they had someone like cleaning the pool, not the pool itself, but like the rails all the time. That person mm-hmm. was like going around, you know, someone touches the, the rail, that person would go into it. In circles. In circles. <laughs> so I was like, I was probably in the pool for two hours. That lady, she did not stop cleaning that pool. <laughs> so I think that now, you know, it is all about, I mean, it's a lot about first impressions and what you see. Right. I think that before, if you think about hospitality as a concert or a theater, there's the backstage and there's on stage. Mm-hmm. I think that now it's all on stage mm-hmm. because people want to know what you're doing. Like the guests yes. want to know how do you clean? How yes. is it done? I remember mm-hmm. when I started, you know, my career back in 2016, it was all about you know, creating a seamless experience and doing things in the backstage so that for the guests, it was like, oh my God, how did this show up here? You know, that's so magical. But now I think people just want to know. So like, if there is an amenity in my room, how is this sanitized? Like, is the amenity correct? Plastic. So all these things that before, maybe people were not paying attention, you know, now you, they want to know. And that's why I think- training the staff and everybody being on the same, you know, everybody needs to be on the same page. That's more important than ever. So I know you profiled that property and that, um, that experience that you had there on your blog. Will you talk a little bit about your blog? Oh yeah, sure. So, you know, I have started my blog because so many people ask me, how is it life working in hospitality? And I think people just think it's so, it was so different, you know, coming out of an MBA, and just choosing a career that is not a very traditional path, you know, it's not very common to see people going into hotel operations, you know, in general after an right. MBA. So in the beginning, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start and 
I'm just going to do whatever I feel like, you know, posting. I want to show my career in hospitality. But with time, you know, I travel so much too that also became, you know, a way for me to show my travels and, and give people mm -hmm. a different point of view. You know, I think that, you know, I'm not a blogger uh, that travels mm -hmm. and want to take pretty pictures. I think that, you know, that's okay. But my goal is to bring a different perspective. Yes, I want to have a nice picture, but I want to share from a hotelier point of view right? how my experience was, you know. And I think that people are mm -hmm. so interested in that because I'm like bringing that different, you know, perspective. And mm -hmm. that's why I started my blog. So it kind of evolved. And so I brought more travel in because in the end, you know, it's not that I can show a lot of the backstage, right? I cannot be taking right. pictures of the backstage of a hotel, but I can right. talk about it, but you know, not necessarily through images. And I try to, you know, interview hoteliers nowadays. I try to talk about my travels, but to be fair, I mean, someone told, once told me, you want to start something, just start. And that was how I started. You know, I didn't have any plans or any, uh, what, what they call content, <laughs> content strategy. <laughs> it right. was just, you know, I'm going to show what I, you know, what I feel like showing regarding hospitality. And with time, you know, I'm a small, small blog, small Instagram, but I just find a way to, you know, it's my creative side. Like you have your podcast, you know, I just like having right. something for my creative side. And that's really, yeah, that's, I mean, I have fun doing it. And remind everybody where they can find it. So it's um, hospitalityvitae.com. Um, Vitae means life or career in Latin. And, you know, port I speak Portuguese and Portuguese, you know, comes from Latin. So there are a few words that I know and I just really love that <laughs> word and I just want to put them together. So that's it. <laughs> and your Instagram handle is also hospitality. Vitae. Vitae? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. The same handle. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, so give us a couple of examples of um, some special things that your team does to make guests feel special when they're in the hotel. Yeah, sure. So um, I think that there are two things that I, that I usually look at it. One it's anticipating needs. And mm -hmm. I think um, when you have a lot of data, you know, available that I told you I'm lucky to have, mm -hmm. If you don't really, you know, translate that data into actionable information, that's just lost. So I really like to dig into the data to understand who is my customer, what is why is he coming here, what why is he doing, what is he doing here. So mm -hmm. all those things um, I can find, you know, very easily with the data I have in hand, and that helps me anticipate needs, you know. So. If you think about your business, um, if you have a restaurant or if you have a small retail shop, you know, who are your customers? So that's very right. important. And, you know, in the hotel, I guess in the world, like pre-COVID, we did get huge conferences in my hotel. So, you know, right. it's business travelers, you know, they're maybe there for one to three days. Um, they like to do the check-in um, using the mobile check-in because they right. want to go in and out. So all these things that we, you know, we, we knew about them, we could mm -hmm. use to make their experience like seamless. So right. I think anticipation of needs, you know, is a big, big one. 
And one thing that I learned when I when I told you I did my rotations, I worked in the Ritz in a Ritz Carlton in Washington D.C. And I really love uh, luxury hotels. Um, you know, I think I'm passionate about it. And I think one day in my career, I'll go back to, you know, a luxury property. Um, it was all about preferences, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. it's, I remember at, at the time. So that was back in 2017. Now we have a system for that. But before, you know, we would give our hosts at the Ritz Carlton, like a piece of paper, like it was a little pad, notepad. And they would discover preferences of the guests. So like if you talk to a guest in the restaurant and you were a server and you found out it's their wedding day or you mm-hmm. found out that they really like, you know, orange juice with two, I don't know, ice cubes, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. You could write that down and we had a database of preferences so that we mm-hmm. knew what the guests wanted or liked, you know. At the, at and then they were very surprised later on when you came, when they go to another potential Ritz property yeah. and they get an orange juice with two cubes. How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they had um, so that was a big thing at Ritz Carlton, and now um, you know, with we have one system now in place, so we can really see preferences from other hotels as well. So we can see preferences are like the guest preference it translates to different brands, right? So if I look in the guest profile and I know that he likes this, it doesn't matter if I'm on a Ritz Carlton or a Marriott or a Renaissance, I could act on that preference, you know, right. but there is a difference because preference is something that they, they, you know, that's constant. It's mm-hmm. not like if they travel with their kids and someone found out that the kids really like chocolate, and they put chocolate in the room. If that guest travels for business and all the time he gets chocolate in the room, that doesn't necessarily a preference because he could go back and say, why do you always put chocolate in my room? Like I really like to work out. I eat healthy. Like I don't need chocolate. So you can't really mix what's a preference with what's something that happened on a one travel, like, a, you know, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, because they were with, he was there with their, his kids, his you know, family. Right. Yeah. Different trip. Different trip. So then, yeah. you know, sometimes we had some mix up, but, but then we would figure it out. Okay. This is really a preference. So like, this is not a preference. Right. It's something that it's a one-off yeah. he's there with his family, you know, um, that's a big thing in our business as well. When we talk about ant- anticipating needs, um, and that's based on customer uh, feedback um, over, you know, several years, right? It's the same thing that you're talking about where we go back and where we see, okay, we can do this better. We can do that better. We, you know, and you, when you and I were in our businesses, our, our, our companies, um, in our jobs and our roles every single day, all day long. So we kind of know what we're doing. And sometimes when you're not, um, when you're not uh, conscious about, about, you know, kind of making these little milestones along the way for the experience, it definitely does make an impact whether you do it or not, right? So when you do do it, when you do do that little thing with serving the orange juice with the two ice cubes, um, that can really set the tone for the rest of the experience, that one little thing. And so that's um, definitely something that we, we've also focused on. And I love hearing that, you know, other companies are doing the same yeah. thing. We did have Horst on, Horst came on last year and he talked to us about um, the anticipatory needs. He talked about empowering the teammates um, to, to help any guest having a situation. 
or a challenge. Um, and so, you know, you're speaking right to that. And I really appreciate that because um, it oh, just yeah. kind of threads all the way model. through. <laughs> and he's a role model, definitely. <laughs> He's definitely a role model. So what kind so before we um, wrap up, tell me, um, do you have a couple of maybe one or two actionable pieces of advice that you would share with um, our listeners to, you know, get more engagement either from your teammates um, in order to deliver that guest experience or um, anything that you would like to share with our listeners would be great. Yeah, sure. So um, when we spoke about, you know, some of the projects I do and, you know, my role as, you know, operational excellence, I think a big one, like a big actionable item that you can start right away is, you know, listen to your uh, associates, you know, stop whatever you're doing, put in your calendar. I'm going to have a one, one-on-one meeting with, you know, my front of the line hosts to understand what is going on? You know, if you can do it, you know, this week, Mm -hmm. I would say do it because there's just so many things happening now and so many Mm -hmm. things impacting the day-to-day of our hosts and associates that, you know, taking that 15 minute, 30 minute of your time to talk to them will really, I think, make an impact. And that's again, what I call the voice of the customers. So that's internal customer, which, you know, if he's happy, if your associate is engaged, if they have the tools and resources they need, they will do their job. They will perform. And your job as a leader will be, you know, even easier because you have a team that is empowered and a team that is, you know, ready to make a difference. So I think that's, you know, definitely a big one. And then the voice of the customer, the, your guests or your, you know, clients, how are you getting their feedback? You know, uh, if not necessarily you have a, research in place you know i'm i'm very grateful to have a big you know uh, a lot of researches and you know a lot of data but if you what can you do what what's the one question you can ask your clients you know to get that feedback and that input that you need to understand how your processes are going or how your business is going if people are you know satisfied and i think in the hotel perspective the big question is you know um What's your intent to return? Would you return right. to place? You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what tells us, oh, if they give us a nine or a 10, you know, it means that they had a very good experience. And if they give us um, a seven and an eight, how we can make that experience better for next time they can give us a nine or a 10, you know? So I think you can, you can look at, you know, net promoter score, or, you know, right. you, can, you can do some research to see the different ways, the different types of research there are out there. But, you know, if, if you can ask one question, what would you ask? And if you are in the front line with your associates, how can you in- interact with the guests to right away ask, you know, how was your experience? Was there anything I could do to have to could that I could have made it better? You know, I think that really, you know, is impactful. Sometimes we, we might think, oh, there's just one question, but you can find out so many things because when I'm checking guests out and I ask, you know, how was your stay? That's when they will tell me, oh, if they tell me, oh, it was okay. Okay, it's not okay. Like, I want it to be excellent. So what could I have done better? You know, and sometimes we're a little bit afraid of asking the question because we know that we might hear what we don't want to hear. But that's the only way to, you know, act on those issues and, and, and change it for the better. And I think the last one would be, you know, I think with coronavirus, 
we've, we had to be flexible, right? Like we, we have to change and make changes on a daily basis. And, but there's still some resistance to change and that's going to be in any business, right? So, always. so for, I think for you as a business owner, or, you know, even if you don't own a business, you just work, you were working in a corporate office. I think for me, it's always, you have to, uh, when you're trying to implement changes, you always need to show to the people that are impacted what's in for them. So that's the big question, you know, like what's right. in, so in my case, the, the room service project that we were talking about, you know, like what's in for the person who is taking the calls, what's in for the chef, what's in for the hotel, you know, for the hotel, our food scores are, are going to go up, you know, for the chef, he's going to stop, stop having orders that are not right. You know, he's going to deliver a better product Right. And for the associate that is picking up the calls, you know, Hey, you're going to have guests that are not calling back and saying, where's my order? Where's my fork? You forgot something. So you really need to show to the, to everybody who is involved in that process, what's in for them. Cause once they understand right. that they will win, that together we will win, you know, people will be more, you know, they will want to try at least try to make that happen. And I love that because then it also shows that, you know, you and management or operations are actually listening to the team that is delivering the service. And when they feel heard and mm-hmm. understood and then things that they're, they're giving you feedback on actually get addressed, that makes a giant impact on the, you know, the end user's experience, right? So um, I, I so enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much for taking time out. And um, we definitely will be um, in the show notes, have your um, blog and Instagram handle up there for people to come check you out. And I wanted to t- thank everybody for listening. I'm so proud to share this show with you. As these stories do prioritize the customer experience or guest experience as a legit business strategy, reminding us that no matter the business that you are in, whether it be real estate, hospitality, teaching, consulting, the customer experience should always be the heart of the business. Mm-hmm.